Hey Packers fans, you've heard me talking about prize picks all season long, but if you haven't checked it out for yourself yet, now's the time. Right now you can go to prizepickscom slash packaday and use code packaday for a first deposit match up to $100. I've already got my week 14 prize picks locked and loaded, so let's go over them right now. First up, I've got Jaden Reed, more than 38.5 receiving yards. Jaden's coming off a week where he had a little bit of a tougher game against the Chiefs, and we know that Christian Watson's going to be out for this game. So not only do I like the more than 38.5 receiving yards, I actually like him going over 50 receiving yards in this game. So uh, like this pick a lot for Jaden Reed, expect him to have a big game against the Giants. Anders Carlson, more than 1.5 field goals. The Giants defense is going to come ready for this game. I fully expect them to have prepared with the extra week, uh, with them having a bye week a week ago. And I do think Green Bay's red zone offense has been clicking on all cylinders lately. So it wouldn't shock me if this took a little bit of a step back and that could result in Anders Carlson getting a couple more field goal attempts or at least more than 1.5. So I'm going more than 1.5 field goal attempts or it makes, I should say, for Anders Carlson. And then we've got Saquon Barkley, more than 93.5 rushing and receiving yards. Let's just put it this way. If Saquon doesn't hit 93.5 rushing and receiving yards, I love Green Bay's chances of winning this game. So it feels like a win-win, but I do expect Saquon to be the focal point of this offense and probably even eclipse the 100 total yard mark. So Reed more than 38.5 receiving yards, Carlson more than 1.5 field goals, and Saquon more than 93.5 rushing plus receiving yards. The best part is that right now you can go to prizepicks.com slash packaday and use code packaday for a first deposit match up to $100. That's prizepicks.com slash packaday for a first deposit match up to $100. Prize Picks, daily fantasy sports made easy. Twenty minutes a day, three hundred sixty-five days a year. This is the Pack a Day podcast. What's going on, Packer fans? Happy game day! Welcome into an all-new episode of the Pack a Day podcast. I'm your host, Andy Herman. You can follow me on Twitter at Andy Herman NFL. And joining me is the one and only Camille Davis. You can find her on Twitter at Camille Monet. You can find her on the Technical Foul podcast, Locked on Bucks, and of course, Carry the G in MKE over on Cheesehead TV. I'm hoping you're going to start seeing a lot more of Camille here on the Pack-A-Day podcast. But Camille, in the meantime, welcome back. How the heck are you doing? I'm doing good. It's always nice to have a Sunday where you can just kick back and watch Red Zone all day. You don't have to worry about what your team is doing. You get to just see how everyone else else around the league is doing. And that's it's always a good Sunday in my book. I totally agree. We need to power rank sometimes like the best days to watch games because uh, I like Sunday night football is always fun for me. But like anytime where you just get a Sunday like that, especially when there are some like things that you can keep tabs on for the Packers playoff odds and things like that, like it was totally just fun to watch football all day and not have to have any sort of heartbreak or worries or nervousness or concern and just let everything play out and know that the Packers of the Giants on Monday Night Football just get that win and keep things going in the right direction and everything is perfect. But it was a it was a really fun day of football. Absolutely. And it was one of those days too here in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, where it's like it's cool outside. So it's like it's perfect. Get the slow cooker going, have a nice meal ready for you. This is this is what football season's all about, these types of days right here. A million percent. All right, well, let's jump in right away to all the stuff that's going on Packers related. I want to start with uh, the update, obviously, that Jair Alexander has been moved to out for this game. 
Um, Eric Stokes, I know a lot of people are asking about as well. I actually want to correct something I said the other day, quick. I said that his window is closing to be activated. He does have one more week. So if they don't want to activate him yet, they do have another week that they can still keep him on IR. That decision is not needed to be made until next week. So they do have a little bit more time. He does remain questionable. It'll be interesting, especially with Jair being out. If they will make that transaction, Green Bay can still make all of their transactions for practice squad call-ups, as well as moving Eric Stokes on the active roster if they want on Monday prior to the game. So that will be something that we'll have to keep an eye on, as well as, of course, the inactives an hour and a half before the game. But clearly the huge news here is that Jair Alexander has been moved to out. I want to get your thoughts on that. quick. Obviously, there's all of this sort of weird vibe, buzz, aura, everything. I'll, I'll give my take on it just a bit, but your thoughts in more in general, just kind of Jair being out for this game. Jair being out is unfortunate. Like you, of course, want the highest paid cornerback in the league to be playing when you have the opportunity to do so. But without Jair, the Packers are going to have to continue to stick with Keyshawn Nixon, Carrison Valentine, and Corey Valentine, who have been doing all right um, in the minutes that they've been getting in Jair's absence. So that's the first piece of it. The other piece of it around everything we saw with John in the locker room, I just want to preface this by saying of any position in football, I think the cornerback might be just like the most flamboyant, the most self-assured, the most confident, just if you're general generalizing, like it might be the most confident position in all of football and job bleeds that like a lot. So I can understand you see him coming up to the, the press and he has on the belts and the straps and he's like, here, let's get the lies going. And he's just, he's just talking, he's being himself. And I can give how some like, this is off putting the guy hasn't been playing or anything like that. But for me, I expect my cornerbacks to be just a little bit different. So uh, seeing Ja act out in this way doesn't do anything for me. It just reiterates for me that he's dealing with some type of injury that's keeping him off the field because Ja loves to play football. And he yeah. mentioned it, this injury that he's dealing with, it's affecting his range of motion in his shoulder. So he's like, I can't be a liability out there. Like if I could play, I'll be playing. So uh, it lets me know that this is something that to keep an eye on that's been bothering him. Um, so it's not like he's sitting just to sit. Like I truly believe that if he could play, he would be. Um, so for him to be ruled out, something's really wrong. And all the other antics, that doesn't bother me whatsoever. I'm with you for Jair. Like, when I talk about corners, when you know, I say like when we talk about it during like draft time and things like that, I always talk about like you have to have a short memory and you have to have an it factor and you have to almost have been like born to play corner in the NFL. And you almost have to have that mentality of just not even caring whatever's going on around you because you're going to get beat like you're going to get beat multiple times. And if you don't have the ability to just kind of let things roll off of you and have that confidence and that swagger and everything else. Like it's really tough to kind of keep competing at a high level over and over and over. So I think that is part of it. I don't have any issue with that either. The other thing I'll say, actually a couple things, Eric Stokes had an interesting conversation that everyone loved. And it was Stokes basically saying, Hey, after I got hurt again, I was not myself. I was down in the locker room. I didn't have any energy. I didn't have anything to give. I was just, you could tell he was basically like depressed about the fact that he got hurt again. And it was another setback for him. Mm -hmm. And Matt LaFleur comes up to him and says, I need you to be Eric Stokes. I need you to bring that same energy. I need you to be that you know same intensity because the guys feed off of that. They need you to be that. Even if you're not out on the field, you can still impact this team. And it totally turned it around. And he understood that. He understood the assignment. And he's been Eric Stokes again, according to all reports and according to Eric himself. And that went kind of viral on social media for all of these awesome reasons of like, Coach LaFleur goes up to him and says, you just need to be Eric Stokes. This is Jair Alexander. 
it's kind of the same thing. Like Jair Alexander just needs to keep being Jair Alexander, regardless of what's going on around him, regardless of the injury. I get that some of the optics and stuff like that. But the last thing I'll say in regards to this is if, if there is something that's going on, that's not injury related or there's drama or whatever it might be. A, there's been no reputable source as of yet that's reported anything like that. And B, if there is, it will come out. It will eventually, that story will eventually be told. And then we can have all of our takes and jump to all of our conclusions at that time. In the meantime, it's just a bunch of nothing. We have no concrete evidence of anything that's going on other than the fact that he's got a bad shoulder. He can't play with it. And as you mentioned, I'm sure if he could be out there, he would be out there. So rather than jumping down this rabbit hole of conspiracy theories and what ifs, I would rather just like to think that there's probably something wrong with his shoulder. It's not allowing him to play. Everyone's frustrated by it. And as soon as he's ready to play, he'll probably play. And if it is something else, that'll all come out eventually and we can deal with it at that time. No no sense in getting any drama on this really fun, exciting journey that this team is going on right now. Yeah, you preaching that. Yeah, you preaching. Exactly. Exactly. I feel the exact same way about it. And I saw some people too trying to compare job with Aaron Jones and how Aaron was like, well, you know, sometimes I get out there, I'm only 70% and that's good enough for me to be out there if I can do this and do that. And it's like, we can't compare injuries one-to-one like that. If Aaron Jones is able to go out there while still being banged up, salute applaud him for that but that that does not mean that josh be able to do the exact same thing with a completely different injury playing a completely different position in football and to just go back to like how important that shoulder can be for a corner go back to the divisional round game against the san francisco 49ers we know they lost that game and the the block punt and everything like that at the end of that game if memory serves there's an opportunity for green bay to get the ball back and the 49ers have a key third down in that game. And they, I think they handed Debo Samuel at the end and he needs to get the first down to bleed out the clock. And if not, I think they have to punt back to, to Aaron and green Bay and it's Jair who needs to come up and make that tackle. This is his first came back coming off of that shoulder injury. And you could tell he didn't want to come in and lay his shoulder into Debo Samuel. Who's built like a train and on like in a way, like sort of understandably, but these are the things that like can go through your mind as a corner. If like you're dealing with the shoulder and if it's not a hundred percent, even if it was a hundred percent, you probably still have a little bit of like, Oh, do I want to really like lean right in with that shoulder again and tackle a Saquon Barkley, who again, is also built like a truck. Or do I want to maybe just kind of arm tackle and then Saquon breaks it and just like Debo did, Debo got the first down and the game sealed away. You don't necessarily want to be play, putting players in those sort of positions either to have to make those sort of business decisions of, all right, I could go and tackle Saquon, but I might be out another six weeks because it's going to re-injure my shoulder. If, if, if it's not 100%, you probably just have to maybe even save him from himself a little bit. Yeah. Sit him down and let that thing get healed up. And in the meantime, as the very one of the very first things you said, is Carrington Valentine, Keyshawn Nixon, Corey Valentine. They're playing for the most part fine in his stead. They're winning football games. They're getting the job done. Let's see if they can do that against a New York offense that's not exactly blowing the roof off of things with their passing game. Big facts. We just wait and see. And one thing I think about a lot, I can't remember which hard knocks it was, but one of the hard knocks started and the coach was like, it's training camp. And he goes, this is the healthiest you're going to be until the season ends. Yeah. And that has always stood out in my mind of just thinking about what these men put themselves through throughout the season. They're all playing with some type of injury at this point. So again, if it's something that's keeping him out, like there's a reason for that. And at the end of the day, we want to protect players against themselves, like you mentioned. And you also want to protect your players because it's bigger than just this game coming up. It's bigger than just this season. You're looking out to make sure that they can have a career that's filled with longevity. So 
you know, whatever it takes to get job back on the field healthy, I'm with it. And in the meantime, in between time, we can just keep leaning on uh, Ballantyne, Ballantyne, and Nixon. Totally, totally agreed. Can't wait to see how those uh, corners hold up against this Giants offense on Monday Night Football. Should be a fun matchup to watch. Before we get into the rest of this matchup, just wanted to put my full nerd glasses on for a second and go full playoff probabilities based on all the results that happened on Sunday. So I'm just going to kind of run through this really, really quick. But Let's get it. here's what happened on Sunday that affected the Packers. First of all, from a non-playoff standpoint at all, the Jets and the Bills both won which sucks because they both hold Packers future draft choices. The Jets uh, second rounder goes to Green Bay. The Bills third rounder goes to Green Bay. So those draft picks got a little bit worse based on the Jets and Bills winning. That's not fun. On the other side of things, from a playoff standpoint, a little bit of a mixed bag. The Buccaneers beat the Falcons. From a playoff probability standpoint, this doesn't change things too much. It does sort of keep Tampa Bay in the playoff picture a little bit more. It probably makes them less desperate than they would have needed to be. They would have it basically would have been a must-win game next week in Green Bay. Now it's not quite as must win, but they're probably a little bit more frisky coming off a win, knowing that they're in control of their own destiny in the NFC South as well. And in the meantime, you keep the Falcons as a wildcard team as well. They're no longer the division leader. And now you add them to the wildcard mix and Green Bay does not have the tiebreaker with Atlanta if it comes down to that because they lost to Atlanta earlier this season. So technically from a probability standpoint, at least for the New York Times simulator, it didn't really fluctuate their win-loss or playoff probability one way or the other. I kind of would have liked the Falcons to win more. Shouldn't matter all that much. Bears beat the Lions. This is another interesting one. This opens up some winning the division possibilities. We'll touch base on that in just a moment. Uh, but it also kind of weirdly, oddly keeps Bears the Bears in a kind of wild card status, as weird as that seems to say. If the Bears get to that point, things have really gone bad for Green Bay as well. So you're probably not as concerned about that. And in the meantime, it kind of hurts the Bears draft choice chances and also maybe muddies the water a little bit from a Justin Fields and a coaching standpoint side of things. So that's a whole interesting side. Saints beat the Panthers. That's not ideal because it keeps the Saints in the wildcard conversation. Panthers doesn't win or doesn't matter really that much either way. The Ravens beat the Rams, which was the single biggest thing that could have happened from a playoff odds standpoint. The Rams came very close to winning that game, goes to OT, but the Ravens pick up the win on a walk-off punt return, which very much helped Green Bay. Vikings beat the Raiders in a 3-0 barn burner. Uh, that un also is unfortunate because you would have preferred the Raiders to win, uh, but that keeps the Vikings definitely more in the conversation, although the way, the way that they're playing right now, don't even really know who their QB is going to be going forward you hope that you can just kind of take care of business with Minnesota on your own in a few weeks. And then finally the 49ers beat the Seahawks, which is also advantageous because the Seahawks were kind of competing in that same wildcard realm as the Packers as well. Now the Seahawks have the Eagles next week. All right, really quick as to probability standpoint, the Packers started the day. Again, these are all per the New York times simulator around a 69 to 70% chance to make the playoffs. They ended the day at about a 69 to 70% chance to make the playoffs. So it didn't really move the needle one way or the either. If they beat the Giants, they should go up to around 77 to 78% chance. If they lose to the Giants, they go down to a 51% chance. And then lastly, if they go 5-0 and the rest of the way, they are 100% chance to make the playoffs, 48% chance to win the division. If they go 4-1, and they are greater than a 99% chance to make the playoffs with a 15% chance to win the division, unless... That loss is either to the Bears or the Vikings, in which case their odds of winning the division go down to like one to five percent. It's not great. If they go three and two, they still have a 72 to 98 percent chance to make the playoffs, which is really impressive considering the schedule that they have the remainder of the way. 
Their best case scenario for losses would be losses to the Giants and Panthers, which would put them at about a 98% chance still to make the playoffs. Their worst case would be if they lost to the Bears and the Vikings, and then they would only have that 72% chance. Either way, if they go three and two, their odds of winning the division are less than 1% at that point. And then if they go two and three, they've got somewhere between a five and a 40% chance of making the playoffs, depending on which team they lose to. They go one and four, less than a 1% chance. And if they go 0 and five, a 0% chance to make the playoffs. That's all I got from a win probability and playoff probability standpoint, Camille. But anything that stood out to you from either the playoff odds or the Sunday slate of action that took place? One that I was really hoping that Devontae Adams would remember what it's like to play against the Vikings and go completely crazy against them. But instead we get the three old game and it's just like, Oh my goodness, you guys can even put up a touchdown for us on the Vikings. So Nope. That was a big piece of it where I'm just like, oh my goodness, didn't want it to go that way. But I mean, the Packers are still pretty much in control of their own playoff destiny at this point. If they beat the Giants tomorrow, they're two games back of the North, NFC North with four games to play. So that's an interesting proposition to be in. So as long as the Packers can continue to handle their business, they're still in the driver's seat to do what they set out to do at the beginning of the season, which is surprise the world and, you know, sneak into the playoffs here. So I'm here for it. The Packers were my wild card, uh, one of my wild card NFC picks. So fingers crossed that they make me look really smart by the end of this season. That would be amazing. And uh, yes, as you mentioned, everything is within their own hands. They control their own destiny. And of course, for the players and the team, it's one game at a time, one win at a time. None of the players, team, anyone is looking that forward ahead of what they need to do. They don't do. They're just trying to beat the Giants this week, which is the right way to take it. But as a fan and as you kind of go through all of the different probabilities and possibilities, you kind of know who to cheer for, who to cheer against. And it kind of gives you some potential outs as well, because as we've seen in the past, Sometimes you do everything in the game to win the game and a referee call at the end of the game might switch it the other direction. And you just want to give yourself the best options possible, just in case something were to happen at an end of a game or something where you get a game ripped away from you. Maybe you can still get in the playoffs based on what happens to other teams. And it just kind of makes this time of year a little bit more fun with some stakes in other games that are happening as well. It's always fun to scoreboard watch around the rest of the league. All right, let's jump in. Oh, go ahead. No, so I couldn't agree more. That's part of what makes this part of the season so exciting. Once you get past Thanksgiving and you're really starting to see how the playoff picture is going to shake out, scoreboard watching is so fun because you're yeah. even cheering for games that you wouldn't cared about whatsoever beforehand. Like today I'm cheering for a Panthers upset where I'm like, let's see if you guys can do it. It didn't yep. happen. But like I had a cheering interest in the Panthers and I did not expect to have said that sentence at any point in the year. <laughs> Totally agree. And it, it does make for some strange cheering opportunities when you get some like Bears Vikings matchups and things like that. So it feels a little bit dirty and weird at times, but you got to do what you got to do. You got to support the Packers and put them number one, no matter what. Uh, let's jump to the injury report just really quick. I went over it the other day as well. And I think most people are well aware of it by now, but just wanted to also get your take on you know you, the, the keys and, and kind of, if you can get a questionable player who you'd like to see maybe play in this one, but Christian Watson, Jair Alexander, we know are out. Quay Walker is doubtful, would expect that he's going to be out this game as well. That leaves Aaron Jones, Darnell Savage, and Eric Stokes as questionable. Meanwhile, for the Giants, Evan Neal is out, while Daniel Bellinger, Paris Campbell, Dexter Lawrence, Ashawn Robinson, and Isaiah Simmons are all questionable, although they did say that Dexter Lawrence is likely, or they're hopeful that he is going to play in this game. Thoughts on any key injuries and anyone that you'd really be stoked if you could get back out of those, no pun intended, unstoked, but uh, of those three questionable players, Aaron Jones, Darnell Savage, and Eric Stokes. 
Aaron Jones is the one for me because, I mean, the team has been relying on A.J. Dillon while Jones has been out. And it's been an unfortunate season for Aaron Jones. One, he's somebody who really does carry the G. Like, he loves being a Packer. He puts it out there every time he gets on the field. And he's just had some terrible injury luck so far this season. Over the last two games without him, A.J. Dillon has stepped up. Patrick Taylor has come in and he's played as well. But going up against this particular defense of the Giants with how poor they are against the run, I know if we can have Aaron Jones out there, like it, it just completely can change how this game looks. And there's no disrespect to AJ Dillon, what he's been able to do recently, especially as we start getting into December. We know that December Dillon is a thing, but Dillon is a number two running back. And there's nothing wrong with that. He's a very good number two running back, but we need our lead feature back back at some point. And if we can get him against this Giants defense, it can set the tone for a very big day for the Packers because if they can establish the run, you can also lean into the play action, which can help Jordan Love out, which can help the team. You can run the scoreboard up. You can have the defense playing in a position where they're ahead and knowing the Giants are going to look to throw the ball. Like It just changes the dynamic of the game. If you can help establish the run. So if we can get Aaron Jones back, which I don't know how likely that is at this right. point, um, that would be the one for me where I'm like, yeah, that's that's a big swing piece for us because, yeah, the Packers should be able to still make some noise through the run game without Jones. But if you have them, it's just a different dimension to this offense. Big time. And even if he's like eight to ten touches in this game, like not even like a full all the way back. And I get there's probably the people already making the jokes that even when he's healthy, sometimes he only gets eight to ten touches. I get it. I understand it. I hear you. But uh, like even just a little bit of a jolt from Aaron Jones where maybe in a couple spots where you need a little bit of a spark, maybe the offense is sputtering a little bit. If he can just give you that little something, I do think it changes things. Even if Dylan has to be the one and Jones is the two in this game, like I still think that helps out. So I'm with you. I think that would be the biggest one. I can understand maybe wanting to keep him out one more week, get him back in Green Bay. But again, we just talked about it. Like Green Bay's destiny's in their own hands. There's, there's nothing to mess around with anymore. If a guy's able to go, you kind of got to let him go because your playoff destiny is is on the line here. And again, you're going from potentially a three quarters of a chance to, to make the playoffs to a 50% chance coin flip of making it depending on the outcome of this game. So this is a big one. If he can go, I would expect them to give him the opportunity to do so. The other ones like Darnell Savage, if he can't play, you still have starting caliber safeties that have held down the fort all season long without Savage. And Stokes, even if he is active, I would expect him to have more of like a special teams emergency corner kind of role in his first game back. Maybe some dime snaps, you know, four or five snaps uh, in, in dime defense, but I don't think you would have that much of an impact anyway. So I'm with you. I will absolutely go with Aaron Jones from those questionable players. Uh, let's jump to our keys to the game. We're each going to give our three biggest keys to the, uh, a Packers victory here and just kind of in general, what's going to maybe, you know, change the outcome of this game one way or the other. So Camille, I'm going to cede the floor to you. I will give you your three keys to the game first. All right. So the first one, stop Shaquan Barkley at all costs. So the biggest question I have is, is this Packers run defense going to be able to stop Barkley? Because as a team, I mean, the Giants are only averaging 3.9 yards per carry, ranks 30th in run blocking win rate metrics. So you're kind of like the, the run defense or the run offense doesn't look that great for the Giants, but then you dig a little bit deeper and you see that Barkley himself is averaging 4.2 yards per carry. And over uh, the last three out of four games, he's averaging five yards per carry. So he's starting to warm up a bit as well. We know he's a monster in yards after contact. You have to make sure you get him down. Um, in addition to that, he has the ninth most rushes of 10 or more yards in the NFL. 
you pair that up with the Packers run defense that I ranks. I, I know we don't want to, but <laughs> this is where we are this week. Yep. Packers run defense hasn't been that great. Uh, opponents yards per rush is 4.5. That's 26th in the league. Rushes per game, giving up 30.5, 29th in the league. So teams know, like, hey, let's run the ball in the Packers. And then when it comes to opponent rush yards per game, they're giving up 136. So, like, the Packers' run defense has not been great throughout the season. And the last time we saw a team come in averaging fewer than four yards per carry, Pittsburgh Steelers, they ran all over the Packers. So that's a big piece of it because, again, if you can stop Barkley – then you can earn the right to rush the passer. And when you're able to do that, you can exploit one of the biggest weaknesses on this Giants team, which is their offensive line at this point. So if we can put the Giants in a situation where we know they have to throw the ball, make them one-dimensional, it helps out this Packers defense so much. So that's the very first key that I have for this team. Stop and just, Barkley. And just really quick on that, the, the first thing I had, and I'll give three other ones no matter what, but the first thing I had on my list is, learn from the Steelers game, because I feel like this is a very similar sort of team, uh, at least from like a game plan standpoint of what you want to do. You want to try to make the quarterback beat you. You can't let the running game beat you. If Saquon and this Giants offense goes for 200 rushing yards, like the Steelers did, it's a recipe for a loss, just like the Steelers game was. And it shouldn't have been a loss in that game. If Green Bay plays that game defensively, a lot different. So that was a number one on my list as well as, as well as learn from that Steelers game. But all right, go ahead. What's your number two? Number two is the turnover battle. And can the Packers play a clean game against this blitz-heavy defense? Now, we know the Giants' defense isn't great. They rank in the bottom third in the league in a lot of different stats. Uh, opponents' points per game, yards per game, yards per play, red zone scoring, rushing yards given up, rushing yards per game. Like, the Giants are not that great. But they do have a plus-five turnover differential this season and they've gone three straight weeks forcing multiple turnovers so against the patriots they were able to get three interceptions they're plus two on the day against washington when they went crazy and they had three interceptions three fumble recoveries plus six in the turnover battle against washington even against dallas they were still able to get two interceptions off of Dak, and they were plus one on the day um so like they can get some turnovers pretty quick and in a hurry. So with this heavy blitzing scheme, the Packers have to take care of the ball. And as we've seen during this most recent winning streak with the team and just overall general better play, one of the things that you've noticed is that Jordan Love has been doing a great job at taking care of the ball. Yeah. When the Packers were losing, there were quite a few turnovers. There were some interceptions at inopportune times, although – it's never really a good time to throw an interception. So, you know, that's that's what you see here. So if the Packers can win that turnover battle, not turn the ball over, like that's another key to the game for me. What's going on, Packer fans? It is time that you make Little Caesars, which is the official pizza sponsor of the NFL, part of your game day routine. If you guys know anything about me whatsoever, you know that I love pizza, that every time the Packers win, I have a victory pizza. And what you should also know is that victory pizza is from Little Caesars. I This is no joke. Little Caesars, by far and away, my favorite pizza. What you can do is you can order online during their Pizza Pizza pregame, one hour before and three hours after NFL kickoffs, plus all day on Sunday. And then you can get ready for football and fun. Choose your favorite Little Caesars pizza. Pick the toppings you crave. Either way, you win. For me, I have the same order every single time. I'm going with their hot and ready pizza, pepperoni, no questions about it. And more importantly than anything else, Always, 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 always get the crazy bread. It is, in my opinion, the best food that you can get on the market. I'm not joking. I love crazy bread. Love, love, love crazy bread. Get it every single time. You win when you get crazy bread. And speaking of winning, 
Literally everyone scores with convenient delivery or their in-store pizza portal pickup. So grab some friends, enjoy a few slices during the game, and always get your victory pizza from Little Caesars. You won't regret it. Pizza, pizza. So you guys have probably noticed by now that the Pack-A-Day podcast is 365 days a year, and we've now been doing this for over five years. You've probably also noticed that I haven't missed too many episodes over the years, and let me tell you, that isn't by mistake. The truth is, before I started the podcast, I used to get sick way more often. I figured at the time that it was just happenstance, wrong place, wrong time, maybe ran into someone with the wrong germ, and I got sick. What the heck was I supposed to do about it? Then I had a friend recommend to me a vitamin regimen that helped my immune system. And ever since I started boosting my immune system, my instances of being sick drastically decreased. Turns out, it wasn't always just happenstance after all. When I was sick, I wasn't feeling focused. I felt sluggish, and that led me to fall behind on my work and left me stressed out. Me taking vitamins helped, but then I ran into a different problem. Taking multiple vitamins every day was becoming a hassle, and I figured there had to be an easier way. That's when I started drinking AG1. When I started drinking AG1 daily, I not only continued to boost my immune system, I also had more energy and was able to replace all of my multivitamins. That's because AG1 is a foundational nutritional supplement that supports your body's universal needs like gut optimization, stress management, and immune support. Since 2010, AG1 has led the future of foundational nutrition, continuously refining their formula to create a smarter, better way to elevate your baseline health. Not only did I replace my multivitamin with AG1, but I love that every scoop also includes prebiotics, probiotics, and digestive enzymes for gut support. That's why I'm proud to have AG1 as a sponsor for the Pack-A-Day podcast. AG1 is the supplement that I trust to provide the support my body needs daily. If you want to take ownership of your health, it starts with AG1. Try AG1 and get a free one-year supply of vitamin D3, K2, and five free AG1 travel packs with your first purchase. Go to drinkag1.com slash packaday. That's drinkag1.com slash packaday. Check it out. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. It's the holiday season and in our family, we're gearing up to get all of our holiday shopping completed so we can have those magical moments of giving the gifts that people are going to love and we can see the joy on their faces when they open those gifts. As a father of a six and 10 year old, those moments are magical and they mean a ton to me. Now, you and your family may have different holidays or different traditions, but one thing remains the same. You get to define how you give to yourself this holiday season and this holiday season is the perfect time to do just that. You could treat yourself to a spot day. Maybe make your favorite meal for dinner, or maybe the best gift of all could be a gift of therapy. As I've talked about in the past, therapy has been a huge benefit to me in my walk in life. As much as we want to put life on cruise control and act like everything is perfect, the fact remains that life is hard and you don't have to walk that journey all by yourself. As soon as I realized that, is when my life took a turn for the better. Therapy has helped me focus, it's helped me avoid negative triggers, and it's helped me enjoy the little things in my everyday life. If you're thinking about starting therapy this holiday season, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be ultra convenient, and can be suited to your own unique schedule. In this season of giving, give yourself what you need with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash packaday to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash packaday. All right, perfect. And I had something similar too. And this one, I just kind of put Packers versus the Packers. And what I meant more by that is like making those mistakes, right? The Giants need those turnovers and they need those mistakes. It's like oxygen for them. If they get it, they're alive. If they get those mistakes, if they get those turnovers, they're going to keep feeding off of them. And they're going to be like, that's how they score their points more often than not is the points off of turnovers. So if Green Bay can just play that, you know, clean game of football, and not beat themselves, 
they're going to beat the Giants. That's the, that's the only real recipe for the Giants to have success in this one is if Green Bay shoots themselves in the foot enough to give them that oxygen that they need. So I'm, I was right there with you on that one as well. And then third for me is kind of two times the same coin where the Packers run game, get your run game going. And I've already kind of mentioned why that's so important for this team, but if they can establish themselves against this poor Giants run defense, that's going to be a win for them. I'm curious to see if Jones doesn't play uh, tomorrow, what will Jaden Reed's role be in the run game? Cause we've seen him getting more involved as well with the jet sweeps and end rounds and things that that's like, plus with Dylan, um, I mentioned December Dillon, and we would love to see that continue to roll as well. So if the Packers can establish the run game, don't want to repeat myself, but it's a big key for this Packers offense because it's so much easier when you don't have to be one dimensional, when you can really sell those play actions, especially when you're going against a team that blitzes as much as this Giants team does. And it doesn't even have to be like 25 carries for 150 yards or something crazy. Like even like, 20 carries for like 90 yards and having a solid yards per carry and just keeping things a little bit more balanced and keeping the giants a little bit more on their toes and not having a bunch of negative runs. Even that is going to have to make them be a little bit more honest to the run game and maybe open up that play action game a little bit. It just changes the entire dynamic of the Packers offense, not too dissimilar to what we saw against the chiefs this past week, where there weren't these explosive runs, but they were consistent. They were solid. They weren't getting negative. There are a lot of three, four five yard carries and you will take that all day long, at least for this Packers offense right now. All right, real quick, my three biggest keys to this game. Number one, a strong start. We've seen this Packers team basically have two very different scripts this year. Their early in the season woes, I should say like post week three or post week two woes where they don't get off to a strong start. They can't put up points in the first half. They're constantly fighting from you know behind. The defense has to defend against everything because the opposing offense is playing with a lead. It just, that has not been a recipe for success for Green Bay. And then the other one, of course, is Green Bay's offense is on fire to start the game. We saw a couple of weeks ago against Detroit, they asked for the ball first, they get the big explosive play down the field, then they get their turnovers, are able to get points off of turnovers. And all of a sudden, before you know it, the, the Lions are fighting well from behind. It changes the entire dynamic of the game, it gives Joe Barry a lot more flexibility because he's playing with a lead. That has been a huge key for this Packers team all season long. Get a strong start, get those early points, have a real opportunity for success. Don't get them fight from behind. And that has not been a recipe for success. So strong start. Number two, Packers front five on defense is going to have to beat up this Giants mid offensive line. And that might be a compliment to that Giants offensive oh, line, to be honest. Yeah, exactly. So you know, Kenny Clark, I need a better TJ Slayton game. He's been uh, struggling, I would say, over the course of the past few weeks. Devontae Wyatt. Uh, even the guys like uh, Carl Brooks, Colby Wooden, when they're rotating in, Enigbare, Rashawn Gary, Preston Smith, LVN, those front five have got to win their one-on-one -on -one matchups. They've got to get off of blocks, and they've got to make things painful for Saquon. You, like It can't just be, all right, we're going to drop an extra safety in the box and give us better numbers. You would love for those guys just to win their one-on-one -on -one matchups, get off those blocks, hold up against double teams, and make it so that even if you are keeping a safety a little bit back, they're not finding those big alleyways and gaping holes that we've seen them, you know, other teams basically again, going back to the Steelers game, be able to, to kind of, you know, have that success against the Packers with, and then number three is red zone offense defense. 
I do think the Giants are going to find ways to move the ball, whether it's through Saquon running the ball um, or even maybe getting some explosive plays down the field. I'm going to talk about that more in just a little bit, but I do think they're going to have the opportunity to, to hold them in the red zone. And if they can do that and just kind of make it a little bit of that bend, but don't break, that will be huge for the Packers defense. It can't be bend and break, which we've seen a few too many times this year. And then on the opposite side, it's when Green Bay does get those opportunities to score, they can't allow points to, to knock it on the board. It can't be Anders Carlson field goal attempts. You got to get away to get in the end zone. And again, hopefully play from ahead and keep the pressure on New York all game long. Absolutely. Don't disagree with any of those points. And it's interesting to me, um, think about that fast start aspect of it, because that's been another thing that's plagued the Packers uh, throughout this season. Something that we've seen change a bit um, during this most recent stretch of good games from them. Um, so that's definitely something to keep an eye on because it's so it changes the game plan when you're able to play when you're up and ahead than when you're trying to catch up. And that's, of course, the position that we want to put the Giants in where they're playing catch up and being one dimensional the entire game. Well, most of the game, I'll say. Big time. Uh, let's go lightning round through the rest of these. All right, first of all, what are maybe a key matchup or two that you're going to be watching in this game that, again, could decide the game one way or the other? Coming into it, I was doing my research, and I was like, maybe I'll talk about Kayvon Thibodeau. Like, he has 11 sacks. He has more than half of the Giants' sacks this season. And then when I was going through, like, just the data and the research, I actually landed on the Packers third down offense versus the Giants third down defense because okay. I was shocked to see that the Giants have the fifth, the fifth best third down defense in the league, only allowing a 35% conversion rate coming into this week. Meanwhile, the Packers have the sixth, or the sixth best third down offense in the league with a 44% conversion rate. So it's one of those things like, are the Packers going to be able to keep the chains moving? Are you going to be able to get those consistent runs to keep putting positions where you're not in third and long, but you're in third and manageable and able to convert and keep the chains moving and continue having some long drives when that uh, time of possession battle against the Giants. So that surprised me when I was digging through the numbers of how good the Giants third down defense has been, just given how abysmal they are in so many other areas. Hopefully it means they're due to give up a game of third down conversions and Green Bay can continue their success on third downs. I did a couple individual matchups kind of where you were leaning eventually like at the onset of that. Um, Dexter Lawrence versus Josh Myers is a big one for me. It, first of all, we have to see if Lawrence plays in this game. And as I've mentioned in the past, even if he plays, is he 100% monster Dexter Lawrence or is he kind of like 50 to 75% Dexter Lawrence and maybe not quite as intimidating? And then what Josh Myers do we get? Do we get the Josh Myers that played phenomenal against the Chiefs this past week? Or do we get earlier season Josh Myers that struggled? And I think that could be a huge matchup in this one. If Myers is able to kind of contain and control Dexter Lawrence as much as possible, and again, play that same brand of football he did against the Chiefs, really like Green Bay's spot in this one because I, I don't think there's anyone that can change this game for the Giants quite like Dexter Lawrence can. Mm -hmm. So that's number one. And then the other one really quick is Rashawn Gary versus Tyree Phillips. We know Evan Neal's not playing. Tyree Phillips at right tackle has been okay for them, but that is a matchup that Green Bay has to be drooling over, one that Rashawn should be able to take advantage of and win with consistency. And if he can just be that game record like we saw a couple weeks ago, three sacks, forced fumbles, doing all that stuff, Again, it just puts so much in favor of Green Bay. So Lawrence versus Myers on the offensive side of the ball, Rashawn Gary versus Tyree Phillips on the defensive side of the ball. Yeah, I'm with that one. Those were two I was looking at as well because Dexter Lawrence is so dominant that a lot of times you're going to get double teams. So in addition to Myers, it's like, okay, who else is going to be able to step up? So seeing that Elgin Jenkins was, you know, pretty much okay, good to go, like on a practice or on the injury report, just because like, hey, we're just being cautious. We're trying to get him some rest. 
that was good to know as well in case they do have to double double team Dexter at any point because I think that's pro- that's probably the best player on this team for the Giants. Yeah. So got to keep totally it in, in control. Yeah, totally, totally agreed. All right, uh, Packers offense versus Giants defense. We've talked a lot about this one already, but what are a couple things that you're going to be keeping an eye on when the Packers have the ball? The run game, for sure. We mentioned that piece of it already. And then, again, because of what the run game can do for the passing game, I look, 25.8% of Love's passes have come off play action. Like, a quarter of his yeah. passes are coming out of play action. So if you can establish the run again, there is such an opportunity today for, or not today, well, tomorrow, uh, for them to be able to have a big game here. Like, I want to see it. The New York defense, it's been so bad. They gave up 147 to New England. They gave up 174 to Washington, 168 to Dallas, 125 to the Raiders. Like the Packers should be able to cross over that 100 yard mark as a team against this defense. That's one thing in particular I'm really looking for um, with this offense against this particular defense. And then also just seeing how well this team will be able to pick up um, the blitzes and pick up what this defense is throwing at them because we've seen love in the Packers going against some heavy blitz defenses already with the chargers, with the chiefs, But the biggest difference is those games were at home and now we're on the road. So it's seeing how this team is going to be able to keep up with that on the road where there's extra noise, got to be really sharp on protections, have your internal clocks ticking the way they need to be because you're not going to have much time if you're under duress. So just making sure that they're sharp on that end as well, because we know what this defense should be looking to do. And it's a team coming off of a bye. So they've had extra time to prepare for the Packers. There's more tape on Jordan Love. So it's being smart, making the right decisions, and getting your uh, team in the best position to win. I love the blitz pickup one. I mentioned this the other day, but I think it's worth mentioning again. So much of what they were able to do against KC was using the hard count to get KC to commit, show what they were doing, whether they were blitzing, whether they were dropping the safety down, going into cover two, whatever it might be, just kind of getting them to tip their hands a little bit. That's a lot harder to do on the road, especially if the crowd is loud. Now we'll see what kind of crowd they get in New York. Um, you know, the, the Jets crowd in New York was not exactly a, a stellar crowd the other day, uh, or on Sunday, I should say. So we'll, we'll see what that kind of crowd looks like. But if the Giants crowd is into it by any means and you can't go hard count, that's going to change things up, especially if they're having to do a silent count. So that's going to definitely be a difference from that KC game. A couple other ones I had really quick. Don't overthink it. And what I mean by that is, I loved what Matt did against the Chiefs with the multiple offenses, all the motion, uh, all the different formations, the personnel bunches, like just all of it, like just every single aspect of it. And sometimes I feel like Matt kind of overthinks it sometimes where he's like, all right, we just did this last week. So now we have to do something different this week because the teams are going to now look at the tape and we don't want to do the same thing. Like, I don't care. Just do it again because it worked so incredibly well. I think it's going to even work better against a worse Giants defense than it, than a really good Chiefs defense. Like, don't overthink it too much and try to pull back too much because you think you already put some stuff on tape. Don't be afraid to go back to the well with stuff that's working. And I just hope he doesn't overthink it too much. I had December Dillon on my list as well. And then I also want to see which wide receiver steps up, especially in Christian Watson's absence. We've seen all of these wide receivers have pretty impressive performances, whether it's Dobbs, whether it's Reed, whether it's Wicks, which one really steps up and says, all right, we're going to go win this game and I'm going to be a huge piece of that. So on offense, that's what I'm looking for on defense. I'll go quick. And then I want to get your thoughts. I, we talked about it, but they got to win up front. They got obviously have to control the run game and Saquon Barkley in some capacity. And then I also just wanted to say, like, beware at least of Jalen Hyatt and Darius Slayton. They both are insanely fast. And if you are bringing that safety down, 
to make sure that you're trying to stop Saquon. Your corners have to be extra cautious mm-hmm. for double moves on the outside. Like Jalen Hyatt is like a 4-2-40 guy. Like he will, especially if you get him like on Corey Valentine, even Valentine, who's maybe susceptible to, you know, kind of biting on a, a pump here and there. Like if they get a even half step, they are 10 yards past you. So you have to be a little bit more cautious with those wide receivers on the outside because they do have some game-breaking ability. Absolutely. And to your point about the Packers defense, what to look for it. This Giants offense, they given up the most sacks. 69 sacks on the season coming into this week. That was 11 more than second place Washington. So listen, there's going to be opportunity for this Packers defense to get after the quarterback, because as we mentioned, probably saying this to give them benefit of the doubt, but this Giants offensive line is is pretty mid right now. And you mentioned the speed, but like no receiver really scares me on that roster too much. The speed aspect of it for sure, because if you make a mistake, you're going to get burned. And if you're trying so hard to contain Barkley, then listen, you might be giving up something else behind you. But the Giants do come into the game just being one of the worst offenses in the league right now. And with this Packers defense, um, they've been able to keep teams to 17 points or less in the last five games. So if they can continue that trend here against the Giants with the way the Packers offense has been moving the ball, I think that'll be putting them in good position to win the game. And overall, I just want some complimentary football to be done in this particular game between the offense and the defense, even special teams, which has picked up um, since week 10 or so this season. Daniel uh, Whelan has been just punting the crap out of the ball recently. The coverage team has been a lot better. So, yeah, if the Packers defense can do what they've been doing with holding them, you know, less than let's say less than 20 points. Uh, against the uh, the Giants this upcoming game. Like, that'll be good for this defense. And, again, you might be saying, like, it could be even less than that. But I got respect for Saquon Barkley and what he's able to do. We've seen him two previous times, and both of those times he's had north of 100 yards from scrimmage. So respecting what he can do, understanding the speed of that team. But if the Packers defense can lend to that bend but don't break mentality uh, that Dom Capers made famous here some years ago with Joe Barry's defense. Now, like I think the Packers will still be in a good position to win the game. Fingers crossed. That's definitely the hope. Uh, Give me something that you are optimistic about and something that you're nervous about going into this game. Optimistic about stacking success because we've been seeing that from the Packers, a developmental year for the team. I mentioned that preseason, I thought they could be a wild card team, but I'm looking at the season for developmental purposes. If the process looks good, I've been okay with the results. And it was just that stretch where the process, it just did not look good. And that was frustrating. Um, But seeing them starting to put things together, even without Watson in this upcoming game, I say this offense is an equal opportunity offense where all the receivers tend to get involved. There's not really one guy to key in on. So uh, with that, I'm feeling pretty good about what they can what they continue to build on. The defense has been playing pretty well. It's been complimentary football. So that makes me optimistic. What makes me nervous is changing expectations because yeah. they're no longer playing with house money at this point. The media attention is on the Packers. They're saying, hey, Jordan Love might be it. Hey, look at the Packers. Hey, they beat the Chiefs. They beat the Lions. Look what they're doing. Hey, look. And now that there's no longer house money, it's like, how are you going to be playing when you have expectations? You're expected now to go in and win this game. You're expected now to to keep that wild card spot, if not challenge for the NFC North with how the Lions have been playing. So that part makes me nervous because we haven't seen this particular young team play with expectations yet. So seeing how they do with that, that makes me a little nervous to see how they'll answer that call. 
I have that on my nervous list as well. Reasons for optimism. This is just not a good Giants team. They're a bottom five DVO, DVOA team. In fact, I think they were bottom two coming into the week. Backup quarterback, Dexter Lawrence is the only matchup that really gives me any sort of concern whatsoever. The rest I'm not worried by. And then if you look at the Giants in the games that they won, here's who they beat. They beat the Commanders twice. We know how bad the Commanders are. They beat the Patriots by three. The Patriots might be the worst team in football, at least right there with the Carolina Panthers. Yeah. And then they beat the early season Arizona Cardinals black, you know, back when they were starting Josh Dobbs and uh, they beat them by three points. That's their four wins. Commanders twice, bad Cardinals early in the year by three, Patriots by three. Every other team that's been basically anything worth, you know, their uh, um, you know, ability in football insult is beat them <laughs> fairly easily. And I think, you know, hopefully Green Bay has the ability to do that same thing. Um, and then what makes me nervous, you you mentioned kind of the expectations. The other thing is just kind of that that Steelers game is it, 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 you know, just kind of going back to that. And we mentioned it, it's a kind of a similar, you know, similar formula. I do think the Steelers have a much better defense than what the Giants have. I do think Pittsburgh's a much tougher place to play in. I do think Green Bay's been playing much better than that Steelers game, but it's kind of a similar sort of formula. And that just gives me a little bit of nervousness going into this game. So those are mine. How about for you, key players in this one that you're going to be watching? Mentioned this a little bit already, but it's AJ Dillon for me. He was my number one key player. He rushed for 73 yards against the Chiefs. He had a season high 76 yards versus the Raiders. And I'm wondering, can he top his season high this week against this particular Giants defense? And we've talked about December Dillon being a thing. His uh, yards per carry average in September is 3.2 yards. In December, all the way up to 4.6 yards per carry. So, hoping to see that trend continue. And again, not knowing what Aaron Jones status is going to be for the game tomorrow, I'm just going to focus in on A.J. Dillon because we know that A.J. should be suiting up and should be playing. And he tends to play his best football at this time of year, so leaning on him to continue to do so. He feels, I know we mentioned sort of the the do thing before, but he seems due for like a 100-yard game. Like he yeah. just feels very, like almost overdue for like a 100-yard game. That would be amazing. It would open up this entire Packers offense against the Giants. My two key players are the center player on each of the lines. That's Josh Myers at center, Kenny Clark at defensive tackle. If those two players can kind of set the tone right in the middle of the, the offense and defensive lines, we talked about Josh Myers versus Dexter Lawrence, mm -hmm. but Kenny Clark setting the tone in the middle of that Giants offensive line, getting not just not, not even just like pressure, but like resetting the line of scrimmage, making it so that Saquon and, and like when everything funnels to the outside, if everyone can set the edge and funnel everything back into Kenny and Kenny's eaten up front. That just makes everything so much harder for run offenses. So I'm going Josh Myers and Kenny Clark, the two focal points at the center of those key lineup match line matchups in this game as my key players. And all right, before we get out of here, of course, we got to do predictions. So Camille, your prediction, Packers versus Giants. I believe that Matt LaFleur's December record is going to climb to 17 and oh, Packers 27, Giants 10 my prediction Ooh, for this week 17 point win i would gladly take that i think somehow this one's going to end up a little bit closer but i like the packers in this one matt keeping his streak alive december matt december dylan we're getting all the the win streaks going and all the right players and coaches trending in the right direction i'm going packers 24 giants 23 maybe a little bit of a frustrating game at times but they find a way to win the game maybe it's at the end maybe the giants get a late score to keep it whatever but like I think the Packers ultimately find a way to win, but I think it might be a little bit more challenging than maybe that six and a half point spread going in. All you need to do is win. And I will take that even if it's just by a point. Absolutely. Just win. Just win. Just I don't win. care. Just do it. 
Totally agreed. Camille, amazing stuff. Any final thoughts before we get out of here? Man, just excited. It's it's fun to have primetime football played, although I don't like that it's two different Monday night football games so weird, at the yeah. same time. I'm not a fan of that. So I'm hoping that, you know, uh, although the Packers are sharing that primetime spotlight, that we can continue on and just, you know, have a good night because it's fun being the big show uh, for the day. So hopefully we don't get embarrassed and my Twitter doesn't become unbearable after Monday. That I actually love that this is a Monday night football game. And the reason being is, you talked about it earlier of like the expectations, like they had back-to-back massive games against yeah. the chiefs and the lions in national spotlight games. And we've heard Jordan love circling the game against the chiefs. You like sometimes as a player, it's really easy to get up for those marquee matchups. And then you have the four and eight giants with <laughs> Tommy DeVito at quarterback. And it's like, it's, it's really easy to maybe not have the same level of intensity and energy, but I'm hoping that the fact that this is primetime New York city, Monday night football, maintains that energy and it still feels like that big fight feel even though it is just Tommy DeVito and the New York Giants so maybe there isn't quite that you know pressure off or like you know just release of um the foot on the gas all, all gas no break moving forward yeah. is what this team needs to continue to do so I love that it's on Monday Night Football and the last thing I'll say is Packers will play somewhere between five and nine games left on this season five if they don't make the playoffs nine if they somehow make an incredible run to the Super Bowl somewhere between five and nine Either way, the season is winding to a close. We don't have very many of these left. So enjoy the heck out of it. It's Packers game day. Hopefully we can have a victory Tuesday to chat about. Camille, tell all the uh, folks out there where they can find your amazing work. Absolutely. So once a week, you can catch me on the Technical File podcast. That is T-E-C-K-N-I-C-A-L on Technical File. We uh, record live every Tuesday on our YouTube page. We cover NFL, NBA, and pro wrestling every week on Tech File, which I know pro wrestling is a niche uh, interest, but hey, it's still real to us at this point. No, I'm joking. But uh, Technical File is one spot. Locked on Bucks podcast Monday through Friday, wherever you get your podcast, as well as YouTube. You can catch me over there talking Milwaukee Bucks throughout the week. And then carry the G and MKE with our friends over at Cheesehead TV once a week with Aaron Nagler. So make sure you check that out as well. Go check all that out. We got to get you more into AEW, Camille. That's something we have to work on. And I've got to eventually find out from you what's going on with Adrian Griffin as well. But oh, yeah. uh, we'll get to all of those things as time goes on. Follow her at Camille Monet. You can find me at Andy Herman NFL. You can follow the podcast at Packaday Podcast. Enjoy your Packers game, Monday Night Football. Like I said, not many of these left. Hopefully we get a Packers victory and can celebrate tomorrow. That'll do it for us. But until next time, and as always, go Pack Go.